Good morning. The WMAY Morning News Feed continues with our weekly discussion with the Better Government Association. Full disclosure, David Grising is the president and CEO of the BGA and is back with us. David, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Well, we, of course, are here in the midst of a pandemic, uh, an economic meltdown that has dragged on for months, uh, a state in genuine fiscal crisis. Uh, the legislature is not meeting, and Governor J.B. Pritzker announced last week the state is going to borrow another $2 billion from the federal government just to try to stay afloat uh, for a while. Uh, and while you can certainly understand why we need the money, uh, I know... Uh, uh, my own, and I'm sure a lot of other jaws dropped at the thought of taking on another $2 billion in debt at this point. Help us sort this all out. Well, certainly, we've already borrowed $1.2 billion from the Federal Municipal Liquidity Fund, which is the same fund the governor is looking at for the additional $2 billion. Of that $1.2 billion, we've begun to pay it back. We've paid back $200,000 so far. Uh, so we have something to feel good about, I guess, Jim. <laughs> uh, that just highlights the immense problem that uh, occurs when the state, which already is near junk level uh, in the from the credit rating agencies, considers borrowing more money. But at the moment, the governor has few options. Uh, he can't lay off enough people to close his budget, and he doesn't intend to. Uh, the layoffs that he's indicated so far are relatively minor compared to the problem he faces. And so it looks like this is his only resort and a really uh, um, unpalatable one at that. Uh, and at this point, it appears that the plans for paying this back are, are based a, a little bit on uh, very optimistic projections and even some wishful thinking, a combination of a rapid economic turnaround that will get us back to where we were before the pandemic and a sudden end of the gridlock in Washington that will have uh, aid start flowing back to state and local governments. And both of these things seem like iffy propositions at best. Well, uh, certainly um, the, the, the idea of a deal in Washington uh, is kind of gaining some ground. It does appear that Mitch McConnell has really stood in the way of any kind of bailout package, uh, is, is feeling the heat. Whether or not he actually does make the compromises needed to get a deal uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but it likely will not happen, um, or it seems, un you know, with President Trump still in the White House, it doesn't appear that President Trump is really doing any presidential work these days. Uh, and so it would take pressure from the White House, presumably, to get Congress to act. So there will be several more weeks, before, potentially, before we see action there. As regards the turnaround, um, it's not likely we're going to see a swift turnaround. Many economists are predicting a really dire first half of 2021. But when we see news about these vaccines, uh, earning approval, and uh, the Pfizer vaccine overnight was approved in Great Britain, and that's a good sign. Uh, there would be hope uh, that we may see a turnaround, but whether it's enough to compensate for the loss, the cost of borrowing this money is a different matter altogether. Uh, I, I think you're right. The tone of your question is right. Um, the, neither of those look like uh, a ready-made uh, solutions 
to the state's fiscal problems. Certainly not in this fiscal year and and maybe beyond. And of course, while we're waiting to see if either of those things plays out, the Illinois General Assembly remains on the sideline. No veto session and uh, frankly, uh, a very nebulous future in terms of what happens come January. Even if they do reconvene, can they get anything done if there's a ton of gridlock in the uh, Illinois House uh, about Mike Madigan? Uh, and and David, uh, you, you've noted that uh, the inactivity of the General Assembly carries with it its own cost for the state. Uh, you know, these are the folks that we uh, elect to to address some of these issues, and really nothing is getting addressed right now. No, it's not. And, and there are a ton of things uh, on the agenda, certainly uh, um, equity, uh, equity agenda that the Legislative Black Caucus has called for. Um, ethics reform is in the waiting. Uh, we need a you know, the, the, the legislature needs to draw up the new electoral maps. Uh, those are the some of the major macro issues that are before us. And, of course, Governor Pritzker is counting on the legislature to uh, to help him with his budget and needs needs legislation there that would help plug some of these budget holes. And so uh, the unwillingness to meet during the veto session was uh, kind of mind-boggling. Uh, Minority Leader Jim Durkin in the House yesterday sent a letter, uh, you know, kind of really that was more a political statement than anything, sent to uh, you know, Greg Harris, who uh, is the majority leader, and calling on him and the House Democratic Caucus to take action. This, this was more politics than actual uh, you know, uh, legislative action on Durkin's part. But I think Durkin's letter speaks for many of us who are looking at these uh, elected representatives whose job it is to do the people's business who refuse to go to work. <laughs> and uh, it's time they get back to work. We know that the, one of the reasons they're not meeting is because of all the uncertainty surrounding the future of the House Speaker Mike Madigan. Uh, but that itself has had enough time to settle. The evidence is in. It looks like Madigan's speakership is at risk, and the legislature needs to get to it and get some work done. And, of course, the governor does have the power to call lawmakers back into session, but just as the Democratic majority in the General Assembly was more than willing to defer to Governor Pritzker on his pandemic powers, the governor seems more than happy to simply defer to the General Assembly to set its own schedule. Yeah, that, that is a disappointment um, that uh, Governor Pritzker has not uh, been more forceful in calling the legislature back. He has said it would be really nice if they would do so, uh, but he has not exercised powers that the Illinois grant Constitution grants him in the case of something like a pandemic to uh, convene the legislature. Uh, it is something that Governor Pritzker, uh, I would hope, would take a look at. Uh, it's... Uh, uh, it, this is where we need uh, gubernatorial leadership, and Governor Pritzker has done a good job in some respects with regard to the pandemic. He's been very forceful. Um, he actually has come out with regard to Madigan very recently and uh, and and been critical of, of Madigan and talked about his need to answer questions uh, from not only his colleagues, but also from the public and the press. Uh, but this is one where the governor's uh, the governor could serve the citizens of Illinois very well by calling the legislature back to work.
We've got more to come this morning on Full Disclosure with David Greising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association. When we come back, we'll talk about the latest moves in the battle for the uh, speakership here in Illinois, more defections from the Madigan camp. And today, a Madigan insider and some former comment executives are, are set to be formally arraigned in this bribery scheme, and that could um, mean more moves coming imminently. So we'll talk about that and also about a big win for the BGA in a long legal battle this week. We are shining some light on government here in Illinois. It's full disclosure every Wednesday morning with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO. David, uh, the latest on Mike Madigan's political future, another defection and a pretty big one this week. Uh, Kathleen Willis, who is a member of Madigan's leadership team, says she won't support him for another term as speaker. I believe the count is now 19 House Democrats who say they are not backing the speaker uh, and you have to wonder if we might not see even more defections today with the arraignments of uh, Madigan insider Mike McLean and uh, several other people in connection with this uh, with this bribery scheme uh, and, and I know I, I ask you a kind of a variation on the same question every week but can it be is this really the end of Mike Madigan's iron grip on the state capitol well, this is the biggest break that we've seen so far. Kathleen Willis, part of his uh, leadership team, obviously, she put her statement in writing it, so that nobody w had any doubts about what she was saying and 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 the message she was trying to convey. Uh, she um, see she gave a very interesting interview to Capital Facts in which she talked about all the legislation that's gotten bottled up and that needs to be addressed uh, while this this drama plays out. Um, and she also addressed the question of uh, whether uh, Madigan's strategy is to get into the caucus and turn people back around, people who publicly have said they will not support the speaker. Uh, his plan, evidently, would be to uh, get at least six of those to uh, reverse course and back him, uh, even though they publicly said they will not do so. Uh, we won't know for certain until they meet in early January and get this sorted. But certainly, the tide seems to be against the speaker right now. I think you're right that the arraignment of the people who have been uh, uh, charged, especially uh, uh, McLean, uh, Madigan's longtime uh, consigliere, um, should be, um, uh, you know, the Mike McLean thing will be symbolic of the corruption that is alleged in the Madigan case. And the Willis uh, um, letter should give those who have not been bold enough to step forward yet uh, maybe a little bit more courage. December is usually deader than a doornail for political watchers uh, here in Illinois, except maybe when it's uh, the, the filing period for the next year's elections. We don't have that. But behind the scenes, the maneuvering is going to be epic these next few weeks. And we'll be uh, looking for uh, any clues that we can glean from what's happening there uh, as Madigan fights for his uh, political life. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, David Grison, before we let you go, a few minutes left. Uh, and we wanted to talk about a, a big win for the BGA in its fight for transparency and openness. This has taken a long time, uh, but a, a key ruling that's come down just in the last couple of days. Yeah, no doubt. We've been waiting six years since we filed these original Freedom of Information Act requests to Navy Pier. Navy Pier was spun off by the Metropolitan Pier and Exposition Authority, which is a state body, a state local combination body. And when they spun off Navy Pier, 
they basically spun off a public asset, the pier, and created this so-called private entity to operate the pier. And so the BGA uh, has sought for six years to obtain records with regard to employment, contracts with vendors, and other issues. There's a long record of corruption on Navy Pier, and we wanted to make sure that we continued to watch that. The court ruling this week uh, is a big win for us in that it declared that the uh, McPeer Authority needs to respond to FOIAs that we or anybody else files with regard to Navy Pier. We were seeking a secondary ruling uh, that Navy Pier itself is a public body, even though it's declared to be private. Its only purpose is to operate a public asset, and it produce, it does many governmental functions. The court agreed with that, but they did not declare Navy Pier to be a public body. And so in order to get records from the pier, we need to go through uh, the McPeer Authority in order to uh, get those records. But we do have access now to those public records, which is a very important win. Uh, and, you know, and David, again, uh, for folks down here who may not be all that uh, familiar with Navy Pier, uh, I, I don't I don't know how big a deal it is. But the overall concept of that uh, idea of transparency and that public bodies can't use uh, these sorts of gimmicks to essentially hide uh, what's been going on. Uh, that's something that, that really is important beyond just this particular case. Well, it absolutely is. And, and Navy Pier itself is the biggest tourist destination in the state. So there's millions and billions of dollars at stake with regard to Navy Pier. But the bigger point, you're right, Jim, is that as governments more and more try to outsource uh, governmental functions, it's important that we establish a court record that indicates those governmental functions are still subject to public oversight. And that's the win that the BGA has secured by sticking with this case for six years. It's a very important ruling that could apply to many different uh, aspects of government across the state, uh, because there is always that tension, temptation to spin off some of these public functions. It, it, it generates money uh, often uh, right out of the gate. And so especially in times like these, when the governor has to be looking at all kinds of options to fix his budget problems, it's good to know that if he decides outsourcing public access is one of those, uh, spinning off public functions uh, that that the the public we and the public will still have the right to know what is being done on our behalf. David, we're out of time for this week. Let people know how to reach you and the BGA the rest of the week, please. I'm at decreising at bettergov.org. That's d g r e i s i n g at bettergov.org, and our website is bettergov.org. And here each Wednesday morning, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, have a great week. We'll talk next week. You too, Jim. Thank you very much.